Welcome to Shelf Life from Bristol Libraries. I'm Catherine and I'm Paul. This is a podcast about libraries, books and people. What are people taking out of the modern public library and what are they giving back? Who is keeping the shelves and the spaces between them vibrant and full of life? Plus we'll be delving into news about books, authors and events across Bristol's 27 libraries. So if you're interested in books or in people, lend us your ears. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shelf Life. Welcome to our second episode of Shelf Life. Paul and Sean, how are you guys doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, doing good. And this week we've got an interview I spoke with Elsie from Wessel in December. They have a lot of different projects and the one that I overlapped with them on was their peer support, which has a book group and popular culture club that meets in the libraries in Bristol Central Library. So we talk generally about disability and libraries and specifically about that project. That sounds really good. What have you guys been reading this week? I have finally got round to starting the audiobook of Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo because in the last episode of the podcast you had said that it was like your favourite book of the year last year um, mm-hmm. and I'm really really enjoying it too. There's lots of really cool powerful women and um, there's lots of name dropping of sort of black feminist scholars so some of them I've heard like Audrey Lord and lots that I haven't heard of so I'm going to look them up as soon as possible really. Oh, cool and Paul what are you reading? Last week you two talked about BorrowBox and listening to audiobooks and I was inspired by that, downloaded BorrowBox, logged in with my library card and found a collection of sci-fi short stories by Ted Chang called Exhalation Each one's a kind of creative thought experiment, really. He takes on a concept like around time travel or free will or AI and, you know, brings his imagination to it and makes a story out of it. So it works really nicely as short stories that each one brings you on this different kind of imaginative journey. So, yeah, I'm enjoying that. Uh, What about you, Catherine? So I'm currently reading a book that I have had on my bedside table for ages that I've been meaning to read and um, it's a non-fiction book and it's called Invisible Women. The author is Caroline Criado Perez. It is all about data and data bias and how there's a really massive gender data gap um, and then the different ways that that kind of affects women's daily life and work but also in ways that you wouldn't really expect or think about so much like in the way that women use public transport or the way that cities are planned and designed and the way that affects women's lives. Um, So it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely been learning a lot from it. Yeah, and then the other book that I've got on the go is an e-book that I have borrowed from the library through the library app Libby, and it is called um, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid, which I haven't heard of before, actually, Um, but I've started reading it, and it is completely unputdownable. So I'm totally addicted to it at the moment. It's really good. What's it about? The main character is this young woman who is about 25. So it's kind of about that really difficult age, that difficult stage in life in your mid-20s when sort of quite often, like if you've just graduated from university, but it's before you found like your first proper job. So it's quite like a a difficult, tricky bit of your life to navigate sometimes. Yeah, it's about about my age. (laughs) Yeah, so it's about an interesting time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot about that and kind of, yeah, just the different kind of challenges that that age kind of throws at you. It's really addictive, actually. So I've almost finished that. I'm probably going to finish that tonight or tomorrow. 
but yeah, it's good. I'd recommend it. So, uh, right, okay. I'm going to do the update now. <laughs> Library update. <laughs> We've got lots and lots of things on our social media. We keep on adding more and more projects and hopefully they'll keep you very entertained over this period. Storytime, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, which is on Facebook. Lego Club on a Monday. Quiz on a Tuesday. Baby Bounce and Rhyme on Tuesdays and Thursday audiobook facebook group and a crime facebook reading group there's tons and tons and it's all on our social media so feel free to have a look whenever you can and for now let's listen to the interview this was recorded in december and after the interview there's an update from wessel so do you want to start by introducing yourself? Uh, yeah, so my name's Elsie and I work for Wessel, which is West of England Centre for Inclusive Living. We're based in fish ponds at the Vassal Centre and we are a, a disabled people-led organisation created by disabled people for disabled people and we provide uh, a range of different services. And can you start by telling me about your sort of relationship with libraries and books? Yeah, so um, when I was... Growing up, I was quite an isolated kid. I didn't have many friends, and so I was reading all the time. And like some of my favourites were like the Nancy Drew detective stories, and I wanted to be a detective, and uh, I felt really intense about it. And yeah, I grew up reading all the time. And unfortunately, as an adult, I've had a lot less time, and it is it's a shame. And uh, my local libraries weren't that close to my home, so I didn't go to the library that much I'm more discovered libraries um, as, a, as an adult and how do you see the link between reading and disability yeah so I think you know for example uh, in my case I'm autistic and I've got ADHD and I started being able to find that out about myself because I was reading other people's experiences and other people's stories online. And there's lots of uh, people with particular conditions that maybe often don't get diagnosed until they're an adult who manage to find out about themselves by literally going to the library and finding mm. finding books about it. Uh, there's even some local authorities that have had particular schemes. They bought particular books around autism mm. uh, to encourage people to, to borrow those books and, and find out more about it. And I think, yeah, books can be such a powerful way to share disabled people's uh, stories and for people to find out that they're not alone. You know, people saying that certain book changed their life uh, because they realised, oh, I'm not alone in the world. There's other disabled people with similar experiences. So what do you think the libraries can do for disabled people? First of all, they, they, they provide... A space you know it's a free place where you can just be and no one's gonna ask if you're loitering and library staff end up helping people with a range of things uh, like doing searches online about particular topics and wrestle with peer support we've been able to hold groups at the libraries libraries have lent us rooms to do events and things like that so I think it's it's a really positive place for disabled people to be to be involved in to be in touch with the local community. They're just such a valuable place to have. Yeah. So, what barriers are there for disabled people? So, I think in terms of if you think of accessing libraries, you know that there, there are issues around people not being able to to travel uh, to libraries, not being uh, aware of the of the services that mm. that there are. 
Yes, and I think some of the barriers disabled people face can be about you no, know, not knowing where to go and being afraid of things being inaccessible. Because mm. if you've had lots of bad experiences, then you kind of become a bit wary of of, yeah. of trying new things. So I think even though there's lots of great initiatives going on, if if people you know think, oh, am I actually going to be welcome there? It's often about really making the accessibility explicit. Yeah. I think too many places just say, you know, oh, if you've got any access needs, just let us know. But I think you, know, you have to actually demonstrate what you've done, what you've thought through. What sort um, of thing might that include? Making it clear where the information is around the access of the building. So obviously in the case of the libraries, they've all been assessed with accessible. So there's that link, you know. And making it clear sometimes what events are going to entail. Specific things that sure you've thought about it. So saying, oh, we'll be giving people documents. Uh, if you need them in a different format, please let us know. Yeah. Um, making that explicit. Because if someone says, I, I use Braille. And you're like, oh, well, there's not going to be any documents at, at the event, actually. So you can't expect people to sort of tell you everything about, mm. about what they need when it's not going to be relevant. So, yeah, I think it's really about making it clear what the event entails so that people know what needs might arise. When you're disabled, you're disabled all the time. So people don't realize all the work that goes behind finding out how you can get to places and... The fact that people would get just really tired of it at some point and just go, you know what, I'm not even going to try today because yeah. if if I hear one more person be um, less than decent at me when I go to that place, it's just not worth it. So, yeah, being disabled is a lot of admin. So I think, <laughs> you know, when there's yeah. things that are really obvious, there's places that don't even save their events, there's an elevator. You know, there's really basic things that can be said explicitly in the so that you don't have to actually go and look for them. Mm. Um, yeah. And that includes, I think, also being upfront if something's not accessible, because I think sometimes people kind of shy away from it because they think, oh, my event is had on the first floor and there's no elevator and I feel really embarrassed about that. Mm. So I'm not really going to mention it because I'm, I know that, you know, maybe no one's going to actually turn up who uses a wheelchair. And actually, I've seen events that have said, we do really apologize. Our event is had on the first floor and there's no elevator. And it doesn't feel great for the people that read that, but at least they know that they don't need to waste their time on it. It's also them saying, okay, well, what are we going to do to try and hold that event in a more accessible venue next time? And, and that, yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about what Wessel do? So Wessel does the payroll for people who uh, receive direct payments from the council. Uh, so it's helping them with hiring a personal assistant, dealing with the, the timesheets and, you know, paying the person and all that. So that's a big part of Wessel. So we've got youth services with groups for, uh, for young people all over the place. We've got employability services as well. We've got our peer support project, which we're currently revamping. So we're really keen to hear what people want out of it. It's about finding what kind of social things people want, mm -hmm. uh, for example. Peer support started years and years ago and was uh, funded by the big lottery. 
and we've run loads of different uh, social activities for people. So we've had, for example, uh, the library what started as a book club and then became a popular culture discussion group. Uh, we've got pub meets. Uh, we've done things like singing, city yoga, lots of different activities. And in trying to move on to the next phase of the project, we want to include things around advocacy. Uh, Westall also has uh, advocacy services to so helping people stand up for themselves and know their rights. And also in terms of benefits, because Westall has a benefits advisor, but it's just the one person, unfortunately, because of, uh, of uh, all the cuts that there have been. So it's about finding new ways to empower people to know what they're entitled to and know how to find it, how, where, know where to find the information. So that's why we really want, at West, we want peer support to really become an, an overarching aspect of everything that we do because there's been lots of informal things with people who met at peer support events and then started helping each other out, went to each other's benefits uh, assessments, for example, you know, very informally. Uh, but it's wanting to support people additionally with uh, with that. Westall is is really growing. There's also um, a, a volunteer coordinator who helps uh, disabled people find volunteering opportunities within our organisation, um, which is uh, which is fantastic. Because then they also feed into all the other projects. So yeah, we've got a lot going on. Mm. So the only one of those that I'm really familiar with is is the book group that became the popular culture group. Mm-hmm. And that I found really interesting. And we've had a few debates there of like people being like, oh, you know, can we focus on reading books about disability or mm. uh, by people with disabilities? And other people being like, well, no, I just want to actually just come together with people I have something in common with and just talk about what I like. Yeah, I just wonder if you have any thoughts on those sort of conversations we've been having. There's a lot of, you know, activism and being able to just have a good moan about the difficulties yeah. and, and barriers that we face. And then it's almost sometimes then you end up only being around disabled people in a negative context where you kind of get, you know, maybe riled up about things, rightfully so. Uh, so I think having that other aspect of just just socialising about things that aren't directly related to disability is really, really beneficial. Yeah, meeting people that have got different disabilities from you and... Just because you're disabled doesn't mean you know, you know everything in mm. um, same way as everyone else. So it's allowing people with lots of different conditions to to get together and then we just get to know a little bit better our, our own community. Uh, and I think that that's really valuable. I've learned lots uh, from, from other disabled people and a lot of people shy away from the word disability. You know, it's seen as a negative thing. And being around other disabled people can really help you grow into yourself and think, actually, I just exist the way I am and it's okay and make it a part of your identity because if... I think if you're going to be disabled all your life, hating that part of yourself all the time really is going to impact on your mental health. Mm. Being able to accept yourself a little bit better can only help your mental health, really because a lot of disabled people have got additional mental health issues and then you've got people who have mental health issues which can also be very disabling who who face the same issues you know we're, we're all in this together and it's not prescriptive it's not saying you know that here's the list of all the things right, that yeah. that mean you're 
able to access our activities. It's it's a very wide definition of, of disability and, yeah, not restricting things to labels. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot actually around the language. So I... I mean, I've tended to try to avoid the phrase disabled people and mm. say things like people with a disability or people yeah. who identify as disabled. But you're using the phrase disabled people. Or, I don't know, do you want to talk about the language? Yeah, so um, one of the things that Wessel does is also deliver disability equality training to businesses. As part of that, uh, we do talk a lot about language because that's something people get really... Yeah. Uh, tripped up over they 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 worry because there's a lot of discourse around it and the thing to keep in mind is there's never going to be a phrase that everyone agrees on Mm. so in terms of people with disabilities versus disabled people it's what's called identity first language so saying disabled people versus person first language people with disabilities the idea was to say people are not just their disability but then in a way a lot of disabled activists have then kind of reclaimed that and said well why do you need to be told the word person before you remember that I'm also a person? Mm. Um, And there's different opinions around also different groups and different disabilities. So personally, I I say I am disabled, but it's about respecting what people want to be called. Mm. Uh, You know, there's been some research about preferences of different groups. And I think when you're delivering a service, for example, it's about maybe sometimes trying to mix and match so that, you know, you're, you're not picking one single option because I can pick a single option because I'm disabled so I can call myself what, what I want and at Wessel that's the model we operate under but it's also acknowledging well some people they're not going to recognize themselves in that we still need to try and reach them out so sometimes we might need to adjust our language yeah. for them to realize that they're welcome but I think sometimes people get too too worried about it you know right. um it's about accepting that you're going to make mistakes and not getting defensive if someone says, oh, actually, I'd rather you don't use that that word. Mm. And sometimes people then say, well, does language even matter anyway? You know, what? how is that even relevant? Let's just not worry. But actually, the way people talk does really impact how they think. Mm. So, yeah, language really matters to me and it's a, it's a topic I find fascinating. And at the same time, I want to tell people, like, okay, don't worry too much, though, <laughs> because otherwise you're just not... Not going to. I I think the phrasing the Wessel Peer Support Project uses is um, for people who consider themselves disabled Mm. or have a long term health condition and their carers, friends, and families. So it's quite broad. Yeah, because I don't go up to people and say, So are you disabled, actually? And what's a disability or things like that? It's not asking those those questions. it's about yeah making people feel feel welcome mm. um, and not feeling the need to justify why they're there. Um, yeah, I felt uncomfortable at times myself as as a non-disabled person being involved in the library peer support group, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether I was taking up space inappropriately. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I haven't no. really um, talked about it at length yet, but just you know whether it's it's really my place to be in that group and helping run that group. Mm. That's really interesting. Uh, I think. Um, I understand that anxiety around around taking up space because that can definitely be an issue. It depends on how how you go at it. You know, if um, if you were a non-disabled person amongst a group of disabled people, and you're and say they criticize something non-disabled people have done, and you go, oh, but but I'm different. I'm you know, it, it's about not centering yourself in the space. Really, mm-hmm. it's about knowing that 
you're there to to facilitate and yeah it would be different if you had if people started moaning about something and you and you started going like oh but but actually are disabled people really facing that problem or it's right. it's about the way you talk you know if um if people start talking about something is validating their feelings and uh not being defensive you know sometimes there are spaces where maybe people wouldn't want to have non-disabled people there in terms of my job at Wessel, we it's about having the space to be around disabled people but also having the the space for non-disabled people to learn things and you know it's not about you know people coming and being like oh here is a little um experiment i'm going to watch those mm. those people no you you're not there to watch us you're you're there to facilitate and it's it feels very very natural yeah, yeah. i've i've certainly learned a lot about publicity and mm. um you know started to try to up my game in terms of making our publicity a bit more accessible which i think we've still got a long way to go on that but. yeah I, I think uh you know because publicity for example you know there's a lot of places do like a poster but then they don't describe it for people who use yeah. a screen reader with social media there's a lot around images and so that can be inaccessible for some people and on the other hand you know images are very much what makes things accessible for other people so it's, it's knowing the different ways to reach out yeah and you know social isolation is isn't about the fact that so many disabled people are unemployed you know where do you meet people like people who work do you think a lot of your time is taken up by work and you get along with your co-workers you get that those exchanges and you have your friends outside of work as well but if you're so socially isolated that you know you've you've not gone to to do college or to do uni so you've not met people through that you've not worked so you've not met people through that where are you going to meet your friends well you're going to be hopefully able mm. to to access different events and and meet people that way because how how do people meet people you know yeah. uh, especially as an adult it can be really really difficult um so yeah if you have like one takeaway message for our listeners what would it be i would say one thing that's really important to me is for people to think of disability and not get stuck in that binary that sometimes happens of either disabled people as an object of pity you know poor disabled people and people pitying us but then also people acting like disabled people are superheroes um, you know thinking only about Paralympians and, and thinking disabled people only have value if we're achieving amazing things it's thinking disability is a part of human diversity and we shouldn't have to prove ourselves more than anyone else and we shouldn't have to be fantastic, wonderful people to to be seen as as people. And even though disability is a really important part of who people are and can be a really important part of their identity, just also think beyond that. Because sometimes when people meet disabled people, they only start chatting to us about our disability and ask intrusive questions and things. So maybe next time you meet a disabled person and you're really wondering, oh, I really want to know the backstory behind this, or, you know, um, just just don't. You don't need to know people's medical history or things like that. Just talk about something that's not to do with disability, because I think, yeah, sometimes 
think of your own perception of disabled people and what maybe you need to change about it. Maybe that helps segue to the last question I was going to ask, which yeah. was to bring it back to books. Um, yeah. So you talked about your favourite books as a as a child were Nancy Drew. Do you have any favourite books as an adult? Hmm. I think as an adult, I really like non-fiction. I do really like sort of memoirs. One person I keep going back to over and over again is called Nora McInerney, and she's American, and she talks about grief uh, a lot. She lost her husband um, when um, she was in her early 30s, and she's got even a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking, and so she's wrote a few books, and one of them is called It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, which she wrote in the six months after she lost her husband. The library actually has it. It's, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic book. So, yeah, I think as an adult, I, I like memoirs and, yeah, people's stories. And, yeah, that's that's kind of my, my style a lot, yeah. Great. Thank you, Elsie. No problem. Thank you so much for taking the time and putting the time and energy into talking to us about all of that today. Yeah, thank you. And thanks you, to you for you know, asking me. I think it's, it's great to be able to, to talk about these things. And I think it's a great project that the library has. Elsie got in touch with us this week with an update. Hello everyone, so this is Elsie from Wessel and I'm excited for the episode I recorded with Paul to air. Uh, We had this discussion in December and obviously a lot has changed since then. So firstly, our peer support funding finished at the end of March, but we still hope to get new opportunities to develop this aspect of our work. Uh, because of the pandemic, everyone at Wessel is now working from home, but we're still committed to support the disabled community, of course. So our independent living team and other colleagues have worked really hard to try and reach all of our service users who have direct payments or use personal assistance to find out about their situation and see what we could do to help. Our payroll service is still running, but people who used to give timesheets in person now have to phone in or take a photo, for example. Our youth services have stayed connected with families via Facebook and they hold uh, live Facebook sessions. Uh, You just need to follow the Out and About Short Breaks page to tune in every Friday at 11 We've got a dedicated team of volunteers who will continue to support the delivery of Wessel services. And we're also looking for new ways to engage with our community remotely. Uh, we're especially keen to create remote social groups and give a voice to our disabled community on the issues that they are facing during the UK-wide lockdown. Employability are working on launching an exciting online group And you might think that's not the best time to look for a job, but we hope the group provides something for people to think about their goals and perhaps engage in other types of learning uh, if applying for jobs in the area is not possible at the moment. The course also has a strong element of peer support. And at the moment, there's so many free online courses that are being offered that, you know, this could be a good way to explore what you could do. Uh, Our business services can't do things such as access audits at the moment, but uh, I am one of the disability equality trainers and I'm working with organisations who had booked training to deliver online. 
And I also participated in a really exciting three-day meeting uh, remotely for the Erasmus project, Train the Competent. We are a part of about encouraging disabled people to become disability equality trainers. The Disabled People's Helpline is still running and our advisor is helping people with benefits applications. Uh, and our advocacy service is also still running. So if you need help with a care assessment, a care review, a financial assessment or anything else related to social care, you can contact us. So during these difficult times, Wessel is really committed to helping anyone who needs. So please do get in touch with us. We will welcome it and we will do our best to help you. Thank you and I hope you enjoy the episode. Listening to that interview reminds me that working with Wessel has put disability a bit more on my radar in general. Um, it helps me be aware of a lot of things. So one of those being what a difference it can make seeing library assistants who can use sign language and how that can really help with a lot of our library users. Sean and Catherine, do you have any thoughts sparked by the interview? The interview really made me think about um, barriers and inaccessibility. That's what really stuck out to me. Elsie was saying that you know, it's really important to be totally explicit about accessibility or lack of, and that they said that being disabled is a lot of admin. Uh, I'd never thought of it like that. And it almost sounds comical, but it is true. There's so much that you would have to research if you had specific requirements like mobility disability, and we're going into a new space. So unless it's explicitly mentioned whether the space is accessible or not, you're going to have to do a lot of research. Yeah, that really struck me as well. And it just got me thinking about the importance of libraries as a public space that is accessible to everyone and how important that is for people to have a space to meet up. And it could be, you know, it could just be to have a chat about books or to have a bit of a moan about something. But then that's also really important in terms of building a network of peer support. And I also thought it was really interesting what she was saying about um, unemployment and social isolation. And it's just got me thinking a little bit about how the situation we currently find ourselves in with lockdown and everything going on um, and how that might now give people a better awareness of what, what it means to be socially isolated. Just bringing it back to books, we've put together a disability awareness reading list. So we'll put that in the show notes. And now for this week's Library Treasure. This week's library treasure is RB Digital. It's an app that you can access through Libraries West and um, download onto your device and log in with your library card. Remember, if you don't have a library membership, you can now sign up online through the Bristol Libraries website. And it has e-magazines and it has audiobooks, a bit like uh, Borrow Box that uh, I mentioned earlier. But yeah, this also has e-magazines. For example, I've been reading the BBC Wildlife magazine, just been learning about what cuttlefish eat, for example. That sounds really nice. I've just downloaded the app as well, and it already looks really good. Um, I was having a look through, and I'm really looking uh, forward to having a read of Running for Beginners magazine. We hope you've enjoyed this second episode of Shelf Life. Um, We would love to hear from you. So if you want to get in touch, you can find us on social media. We've got a Facebook page at Bristol Libraries. Um, We're also on Twitter and Instagram as well. And you can use the hashtag Shelf Life Bristol. So thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Shelf Life. Please subscribe, rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. 
If you want to get in touch, you can email us at library.ideas at bristol.gov.uk. Or find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Bristol Libraries. We hope to see you again for the next episode of Shelf Life.